I do know that for the sympathy of one living being, I would make peace with all. I have love in me, the likes of which you can scarcely imagine, and rage, the likes of which you would not believe. If I cannot satisfy the one, I will indulge the other. Hey there, gang. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. And we are Ebon Tolkien. And that was an excerpt from a very spooky novel, The Frankenstein, Frankenstein, which is like my favorite book. Yeah. It's about how alienation makes us monsters. Isn't that fun? Yeah, it's a fantastic story. If you guys haven't read it or seen any of the million Frankenstein movies. Yeah, a lot of the adaptations are good, some not so much. But uh, why are we talking about Frankenstein? Because it's our Halloween special today. Spooky, spooky Halloween special. Welcome back, guys. Also, this is season six, our season six premiere. Yes, it is. Welcome we're, to season six. You never thought it, right? We're here. Yeah, we're here. We're, we're, we're glad We're glad you're here with us. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. So uh, another quick announcement. Uh, don't forget to go check out our new merch store that we've got up please do go get your keep on tolkien podcast merch go visit keep on tolkien podcast.tmill.com that's t-e-e-m-i-l-l.com and we got new t-shirt designs and also they have told us larger sizes larger sizes soon. are coming uh more merch is coming more designs uh we <laughs> we've more or less enlisted our friends to help us yeah all of our friends t-shirts. are kind of artistic people we've enlisted all of them um, including our guest today's wife. She made one for us. Yeah, we've got a guest today. Yeah, yeah. Well, coming up. Yeah, so like we mentioned, today is our 2022 Halloween special, and this is going to be a very special episode, you guys. Yes, this is what we are calling our friend Peter. And who in the Tolkien community is our friend Peter? Yeah. Well, Peter Jackson, of course. Of course, the only Peter you would probably think of in the yeah. Tolkien community. So good old Peter Jackson. He's been a fixture in the Tolkien community for years now, ever since his beloved adaptation of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That was back in 2001 or 2003. A lot of us grew up on that trilogy. And what does Peter Jackson have to do with Halloween, pray tell? Oh, oh we, we are. Let us tell you. That's what we're excited to tell you about today, because many people don't realize. Yes. So Peter Jackson is considered to be one of the most talented filmmakers of our lifetime. But he didn't start at the top. No, he didn't. No, he started way down at the bottom. As you may or may not know, he got to start making famously disgusting horror films in New Zealand. And when we say famously disgusting horror films... We mean famously disgusting. depraved. Nasty, gross. Yeah. Films that have made my gag reflex. Oh, yeah. I've nearly barfed at a few of his films. Yeah. Yeah, so today we're going to explore some of the films that Peter Jackson put out that led up to his opus, The Lord of the Rings Trilogy. And we hope you're in for some spooky-ooky good times and some just generally disgusting shit. Yes, it's going <laughs> to be so... really gross. It's going to be so much fun, you just guys. Just toilet humor and <laughs> nasty gross. It's literally Peter Jackson gross is one stuff. of us. He's one of us. He's yeah. one of us. 
And this is getting to fulfill two dreams of mine, getting to do a podcast about horror. Because I've always, I, I think I've mentioned in the past, I wanted to do a horror podcast. Yeah, that's uh, been a dream of yours, to set, start up a second podcast uh, on the subject of horror On films. the horror style. Mm -hmm. And finally getting who would hopefully be my co-host on the mic, Joe friggin' Vasky. That's right. Our third person, our guest today, is Mr. Joseph. Say hello, hey. Joseph. Hey, hello, everyone. <laughs> Joseph Vasky. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I've known Danny and Joel for a very long time. Me and Joel have known each other for like 21 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Way back. Yeah. We all went to high school together. We suffered through that shit Yep, together. that's right. <laughs> those those uh, formative years. Oh, uh, yeah. We all have therapy bills to prove it, too. <laughs> We're uh, also in uh, quite a few of our amateur film productions back in the yes, day. That's, uh, yeah, Joe Vasquez is right. a longtime creative uh, collaborator. First thing we did, I think, was in 2006, I think, was the first project yeah, we watched. Yeah, if you guys uh, have ever heard of Off the Edge Productions, I'm sure you've oh, all heard of us. I'm sure you've all heard of us, our production company. Um, yeah, we used to make films back in the day together. That was really fun. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, if you're a long-time listener, you've definitely heard Joseph's work on this program. Yeah, on Keep on Tolkien Podcast. He's collaborated to bring you two famously ridiculous sketches that we've done. Oh yeah, the two, I would say the two most ridiculous things we've <laughs> ever done. Fun. Yeah, that's the, uh, Yeah. Remember last Halloween special? That's right. You actually, I think, came up with the idea for the Ouija board interview <laughs> yeah. where he was like, because I was like, yeah, we set. wanted to do this interview, but she's dead. And he's like, how about you do it? Just pretend with a Ouija board. And I was like, perfect. And that's how we did the Karen Wynn Fonstead Ouija board interview that turned into a like a satanic possession by oh yeah mickey mouse or <laughs> yes something? by oh, walt yeah. disney what walt do you have to say about that <laughs> experience of writing that with me uh i guess it was i mean it's pretty typical for pretty typical we write a lot of very ridiculous things very strange shit you know <laughs> which, and then the holiday special you remember that it all rhymed yes that yeah, that fun. which was harder than I thought it would really be. Really hard. Yeah, and it didn't even uh, it wasn't on beat rhymes. It was just like kind of off-center <laughs> rhymes. Yeah. Yeah. The most fun though. That one was really fun. I remember doing that. That was fun. But Joe, you're not only a huge horror film fan and uh, a bachelor's of uh, in film, by the way, guys, right? Yep. Graduated from Minnesota State University Moorhead. So, I'm not going to hold that over you guys, but <laughs> Yeah. If we ever disagree at any point, the audience should just remember that I, that I did he... spend years studying the art of film. <laughs> yes, yeah, Danny Just and keep I... in mind, as long as yeah, one of us here has spent years and tens, academically studying. Tens of thousands of dollars as well. Yes, tens that is well. Thousands. Yeah, Danny and I went to lowly community, community college. Community college, yeah. <laughs> if any of you out there went to Inver Hills Community College. In Inver Shout out Heights, to Inver Minnesota. fucking Hills. Yeah. Inver Hills was a great community college. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of my favorite. You actually went there for yeah, a year. Yeah, I did go there for <laughs> a year, too. So I, yeah. I sort yeah. of, I got the experience. Yeah. So we were all there for a little bit. Yeah, we were there for a long time. I mostly just uh, Mostly just getting stoned and going to classes together. Pretty for much. For a yeah. semester. Me and Joe had a few classes together. I conveniently year. lived like what was it, like four blocks away from that college? Uh, my parents still oh, yeah. do, actually. Yeah. So I was able to just like get up, walk to school. Like, Yeah. It was pretty convenient those days. Oh, the college days. Hell yeah. Doodly doodly doodly. Let's go back to the present. <laughs> Joe. Yeah, back on subject. Joe not only is a huge uh, you know, film student, 
but he uh, loves horror films, and he also loves Peter Jackson movies, and he's equally a Lord of the Rings trilogy nerd. Yeah, he also grew up on that good old Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy back in the day. Oh, yeah. I've watched it with him several times. Yeah, that's how Danny and I bonded in... Uh, in, like, what, seventh like, grade. Yeah, elementary. Or, no, the, I suppose it was, like, sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, it was elementary school when I, I think we both had read the books, and then in yep. high school when we were huge uh movie fans mm-hmm. yeah me and joe listening to me and joe watch lord of the rings i remember before we went to watch the hobbit this is a sad story now <laughs> before we went to see the hobbit movie we sat and watched the lord of the rings and we were literally like every shot we were just like this is just fucking perfect this is amazing oh my God. every shot is a work of art look at that camera yeah look work. at this i remember when the ring drop when the ring drops on the floor we're just like oh just just so amazing cool. yeah. the magnets they used for yeah that scene and so like cool every sh- yeah really every scene in that movie was a work of art but yeah, so Joe loves Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings, so he's going to be qualified to talk about both of these More things. More than an appropriate guest for today's subject. <laughs> Bachelor's degree. Also one in sociology, too, so if we come up in, with anything <laughs> in that field yeah, as well. I can also help with that. Yeah. So let's touch on today's subject, then, a little bit. Who is Peter Jackson, for those of you who may not entirely be familiar with him? So he's an Academy Award-winning director from New Zealand, and his full name is Sir Peter Jackson. Yes, indeed. He's a Knight Companion of the uh, New Zealand Order of Merit since 2010, and also a member of the Order of New Zealand since 2012. Yeah, he was born on October 31st. 1961 in Wellington, New Zealand. So his birthday. What does that mean? What does that mean? If you're listening to this episode when it drops, which we know you all are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is Peter Jackson's birthday today. Happy 61st birthday to one of our favorite motherfuckers in the world. I can't believe he's already 61, man. Yeah, because he's like a Gen X uh, director. And having a a birthday on Halloween is so sick. So sick. I wish my birthday was on Halloween. Oh, yeah, could we, you imagine? Uh, we all actually, uh, so all three of us went to high school together. We collectively have some high school friends whose birthday was on Halloween. Yeah, they were and twins. They, they were twins, yeah. yeah. So their, their birthdays are pretty fucking awesome. Shout out to Phil and Steve. Yeah, Phil and Steve, we know they listen to the podcast. Oh, yeah, we yeah, know I'm you, sure they do. We know you're Steve's listening. a nurse, healthcare hero. Yeah. He is a healthcare hero. Yes, he he's always been a hero in my book. Oh, yeah. Miss you, bro. We used to make yeah, grilled, we, you, we would uh, we'd make grilled cheese and tomato soup together all the time when we went to Inver Hills. Yeah. Well, back to Peter Jackson. <laughs> so his parents were immigrants from England. Joe and Ruck, who was a factory worker, and William Jackson, a wages clerk. So some of Peter Jackson's influences. Uh, he has said in the past that his favorite film is King Kong. I, I think he said that pretty definitively, right? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, well known to be his favorite film. Yeah, so 1933 pre-code monster movie features uh, some groundbreaking special effects for its day by Willis O'Brien. And that pre-code shit, that means it's before they start censoring the shit out of movies? Yeah, so and the original, all, original King Kong. Yeah, we're all uh, very good fans of before they started censoring movies. Mm-hmm. And you could put anything you wanted in a movie. It would yeah. all flow well. So this movie is mo- like more violent than you think it would be. Uh, there's, I think there might be. Is there nudity in the original King Kong? I don't remember, honestly. There might be. I think it gets a little racy. I think it gets pretty racy. I think there's like some cleavage and shit, which, oh, is, yeah. which is essentially nudity for 1933. For, yeah, 1933. Yeah, for the time. But Will yeah, great special effects. It's uh, known for his incredibly uh, complex stop-motion animation sequences. And uh, Peter Jackson used his own models to make his own version of the stop-motion sequences of King Kong at the age of nine. And his dream 
to make his own version would come true in 2005 when he released his remake of King Kong. Yeah. But prior Just, to this, I, I had no idea about his dreams of yeah. King Kong and making that stop motion that at the age of nine. He truly loved that film. Yeah. Really. What do you, uh, let's just a second. How do you feel about 05 King Kong? I, I love King Kong. So do I. Even though I know it gets hate. It gets people a lot of shit. People say it's too long. People don't like Jack Black. I thought Jack Black was great on it. I think so it's a great adaptation. When I originally saw that film, so that was what, like middle school for us or like late grade school? Mm-hmm. So the bug pit scene? Gross. That scarred the shit When out that of dude me. gets eaten by like that lamprey thing, Slowly. And you can just hear yeah. him and then he stops screaming because it goes over his fucking face. Yeah, so the bug, the bug pit sc- uh, yeah. scene stayed with me for a long time from yeah, that dude. movie. So, yeah, that uh, King Kong, it's 05, we uh, endorse, KOT endorses 05 King Kong. Yeah, one of Peter Jackson's dreams. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a great movie. It It's like an old-fashioned epic film, almost, like something you'd see back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like one of the old-fashioned films that they kind of featured in that movie. It was about making an old-fashioned movie. Yeah, which is even more fun. Movies about making movies are always great movies, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah, and Joe, you used to make your own stop motion films when you were younger, right? Yeah, I'd use Star Wars Legos, and uh, it was like with the VHS camcorders. Oh, you did it with yeah, the camcorder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you if you fucked up, it was the whole thing was, it was trash. There was, yep. Yeah, it was just live editing. <laughs> yeah, it was live like on George camera. Millay. Yeah, before yeah. editing. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we all really love uh, stop motion as well, and uh, King Kong. Let's get into some more influences, guys. We can't talk about Jackson and uh, stop motion without talking about Ray Harryhausen. If you've ever heard of this dude. Hell yeah. So Jackson was also highly influenced by other stop motion animation films, mostly by Ray Harryhausen. And if you haven't ever seen any of this old footage of like the old monster films, you've most likely people, seen. Yeah. Yeah, most people have likely seen something by Harryhausen. Yeah, somewhere in some public domain shit you've seen. Jason <laughs> you've and seen the Argonauts. Some, Jason and the Argonauts. Flash of the Titans. Yeah. Old Sinbad movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've seen him around in the in the cultural ethos. Yeah, he's arguably one of the greatest stop motion artists of all time. For sure. I like to, he always, um, I was watching some clips earlier, and he always gives his monsters personality mm-hmm. and humanity which is, um, I think, something that Peter Jackson does with all of his villains oh, and totally. monsters. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. 100%. Um, and sometimes they're, like sort of like how Guillermo del Toro does it, too, where yeah. sometimes the monsters are more human than the humans. The humans in the story, yeah, 100%. Um, and I, Shape of Water, right? Yeah, Shape of Water. <laughs> Academy Award-winning Shape of Water. Hell yeah. Um, I, I love... Uh, to talk about Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson does such a good job with the orc characters. Like oh, even yeah. Oh, yeah. some of the orcs just have one line, and you remember it for the rest of your days. Yeah, yeah. The looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Yeah, like yeah. classic. I love the Gothwag one. That, the age of men is over. The time of the orc has come. Classic. Classic. I like to um, even some of the non. Like I always remember that Urukai that just takes all of. The arrows from, from Legolas. Legolas. Yeah. Bring him down. And yeah. he doesn't say anything, but you're just like, he just keeps on trucking like, like Dude, an after NFL that second back. Hit, Yeah. At the second hit, he kind of like, oh, oh, like shakes it yeah, off. Yeah, just shakes it off. Keeps on, keeps on trucking. <laughs> oh, during the Helm's Deep scene when he's yeah. like, yeah. he's kamikazing the wall. Yeah. yeah that yeah. guy takes, what, two or three shots? Two. One in each shoulder, too. Yeah. And he just keeps going. Everyone's like, bring him down. Bring Remember, him down. I think the first one was also the left shoulder. Remember, we talked about this. <laughs> 
<laughs> left shoulder. The left shoulder. The always survivable wound. Yeah. Even the even like the Balrog people, just that scene with Gandalf is so good, and it doesn't mm-hmm. say a word. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the Balrog is its own scary character, and it never speaks a word. Yeah, You're right. it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. It reacts to what Gandalf says, and that's kind of enough. Yeah, it bulks up that time. It goes... This is Mouth of Sauron, too, in the extended cut. That's yeah. a great... Mouth of Sauron is one of my favorite characters. Oh, yeah. I love the behind the scenes with the Mouth of Sauron, where yeah. originally you find out that they had the mouth going like vertical ways. Like, mm-hmm. that was that was really That would have been fucked. That, was, <laughs> that would have been really weird. But yeah, we really love all the non-human <laughs> characters in Jackson films, right? Um, let's get into some of uh, the comedic influences of Peter Jackson. Yeah, something quite notably that I'm sure a lot of our audience will be able to relate to, Monty Python. Monty Python, of course. The wildly famous and influential comedy group. Yeah, they're known for the series Flying Circus, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Life of Brian, and of course, The Meaning of Life. Yeah, and this can be be, uh, clearly seen in the absurd but still witty humor uh, in Peter Jackson's films. Of course, it's always kind of smart humor. It, it, is, it is smart. It's yeah. very, very absurd, though. <laughs> it's very as, as we'll yeah. talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into the first guy here. This is a filmmaker that is uh, very close to everyone's heart here. Big influence on Peter Jackson. Big influence. This Big is, of influence. course, you, you literally cannot talk about Peter Jackson without talking about this dude, Sam Raimi. That's right. Mm-hmm. So Jackson was highly influenced by Sam Raimi's Evil Dead trilogy, and that consists of Evil Dead from 1981, Evil Dead 2 from 87, and the third film, Army of Darkness, in 92. So let's just, okay, 30 seconds or so on the Evil Dead trilogy. Greatest zombie trilogy ever? Yes. The only <laughs> reason I'm hesitating is like Night the, of the Living the Dead. The Dead Trilogy, Dawn of yeah. The Dead. yeah. I know, that's why I'm asking you to pit those two against each other. Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness are just so much fun. Yeah. Bruce Campbell's so great. I know. I, I, I might give it to the Evil Dead Trilogy. Ooh, controversial opinion. Okay. Ooh, all right. Hot takes. Hot yeah. takes. Um, but the, Have you seen all these ones? I know I think I've watched Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 with you, right, Joel? No. No, you've never seen Evil Dead 2? I don't think I've seen any of the original Evil wow. Dead movies. Oh no! Oh. We've watched the remake together. I've watched the remake. Shout of out Evil to Dead. the yeah! Shout out to the Fede Alvarez, Fede Alvarez, uh, fucking remake. Yeah, that was uh, so good in the twenty teens. That was, was twenty twelve, f- I think. That was a fan- that's how old we are. Fantastic remake. That's that feels way more recent. That's almost ten years ago. Because we're old. Now. Yeah. Cause Holy we're old. shit! Okay. It was twenty thirteen actually. Oh my god. But yeah, shout out to that one. Really, really good. But the, uh, let's talk about Army of Darkness specifically. So this is uh, this. Uh, there's a few explicit homages of Army of Darkness in the Two Towers, actually. Yeah, so one that everyone will be familiar with, uh, Legolas riding the shield down the stairs during the Battle of Helm's Deep while he's using his bow and he's shooting orcs. Mm-hmm. That exact bit, that was taken right from Army of Darkness. Ash, uh, played by Bruce Campbell in that movie, he does that exact same thing in the final battle scene in Army of Darkness. Yep, just slides down the stairs on the shield. In, in the extended two towers, there's actually a scene where Saruman is mixing gunpowder and Wormtongue comes to look at it holding a candle. And Saruman just, without a word, slowly moves the candle away from the bomb. This is the exact same bit done in Army of Darkness when Ash is mixing gunpowder. <laughs> in the medieval, people don't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, so the Evil Dead trilogy is, is widely known for its unique low-budget cinematography and gore. Hell yeah. And the Evil Dead films are fantastically fun, frightening, and hilarious, and clever. 
and they had a huge influence on Peter Jackson. Yeah, these films are so much fun. I love them. I it's just watching Sam Raimi movies and then some of the early Jackson movies. It's almost like a Looney Tunes episode. Oh yeah, it's for just sure. Slapstick. Yeah, it's it's sl- yeah, fucking splatter Looney Tunes. Yeah. And he loves to the uh like I always think about the Raimi shots in the forest in Evil Dead of like the the creatures, the ghost, and uh Peter Jackson loves that shot where it just the camera's oh, yeah. always moving, it's frantic. There's a lot of that in uh film we're gonna talk about soon here, yep. Yeah, well, same same frantic camera movements that Raimi uses. And he uses them in Lord of the Rings too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you'll see that a lot of the things he learns here from his influences made it into Lord of the Rings as well. Let's talk about, uh, so Peter Jackson is a master of gore. Let's talk about some of the gore influences here. And of course, you can't talk about gore in film unless you talk about Tom Savini, who is just the man. Tom Savini is just the man. We could talk about this dude for hours. He's In short, he's a special effects legend. Best known for gore effects. Let's go through this list. Yeah, so he's best known for his gore effects that he did in Dawn of the Dead from 1978. Fantastic. Martin, that was also in 78. Fantastic. Friday the 13th <laughs> from 80. Maniac in 80. The Burning in 1981, which I just watched last week. Very good. Jason Alexander, the guy from uh, Seinfeld, plays a teenager in that movie. (laughs) Is he actually a teenager, though? Yeah, it's really funny. No, he's not. Oh, he's not. He's too old. He's way too old to be a teenager. (laughs) So, The Burning, uh, we got The Prowler, uh, Creep Show, Day of the Dead. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, I have seen each and every one of these movies, and they are all worth watching and all have fantastic gore. Yeah, so ultimately, the takeaway, Savini, he's widely considered the godfather of gore. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk about Tom Savini without talking about the next dude. Yeah, that would be George A. Romero. That's a name that I feel like a lot of people recognize. A lot of people should recognize this dude. So Romero has many great horror films, but he's most famous for, like we mentioned earlier, the Dead Trilogy. Yes, and that's, of course, with the groundbreaking film, literally changed the face of the earth film, Night of the Living Dead from 1968. We got to we watch this film every year at least once. Every every freaking year. It's usually uh, in October. Yeah, it's so good. So amazing. A lot of great social commentary for its time. Joe, what do you think of Night of the Living Dead? I no, I was just thinking now I'm rethinking if I do rate uh the Evil Dead oh, trilogy see, yeah. over. Now I'm now yeah. that I'm looking at it in the yeah, face, exactly. I'm I'm having a hard time. It's hard. No, because yeah, Night of the Living Dead is amazing. Um, social commentary. Same with the Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is yes. my depression film. And then the last one we didn't mention, Day of the Dead from 1985. Day. But Dawn of the Dead 1978 is my depression film. When I'm having the worst day, I pop on Dawn of the Dead <laughs> and just have a great time. <laughs> have a great, terrible time. You know that we've always said when things are good and sad, we say the term good and sad mm-hmm. a lot. Good and sad, yeah. It's a good and sad one. We yeah. love we love uh, certain downer films. It's oh, true. Yeah, yeah and uh, the, these last two films, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, coincidence, collaborations with Tom Savini. Mm. And if you're, can I just, going back to Savini quick. Yeah. If you haven't seen Maniac, you should. You, if I you just have told to, you to watch it this season and he finally watched it. I fucking love that you did. I love yeah. Maniac. Maniac's a great movie. It's, From 1980. Uh, Joe Spinell is so good in it as the psychopath, as the Joe maniac. Joe Spinell, one of the great character actors of all time. He's in, uh, he has bit parts in Taxi Driver and The Godfather. He's Willie Chi Chi in The Godfather, if that means anything mm-hmm. to you guys. 
But yeah, that movie rules. Uh, Maniac. It I, has. I highly recommend that film. And Martin as well. Martin is one of my favorites on that list. Mm, I remember yep. seeing Martin. That that shocked me. Martin rules. It's a vampire movie. Is, yeah, question yeah. mark. A vampire question mark? Uh, to hype up Maniac one last time, yeah. uh, Tom Savini <laughs> blows his own head off with in the a movie. shotgun in the movie. And wow. they did it gorilla. Did you know that? They had no permit to do that. They just <laughs> did it in a back alley. And then they, Tom Savini threw the shotgun in the trunk of another car. The car sped off and then he ran. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes in that movie where I was sitting there going, did they actually get a permit for this? Or is it just no, like it's three in the morning gorilla. and they're... Yep. Yeah, they talk about that in the Joe Bob episode. We're, oh, by the way, we're all disciples of Joe Bob Briggs. If Joe you guys, Bob Briggs, last driving. Yeah, last driving. Uh, uh, that uh, he's our god. But um, he showed that show, that movie, uh, Maniac. Check that out. So let's jump to our next influencer on the list. That would be Hammer Studios horror films. Big influence on Peter Jackson. Yeah, and this, of course, is a British horror studio known for producing the Christopher Lee Dracula films. No surprise. Yeah, but... Horror-mon. And that spawned nine total films, but seven of them star Christopher Lee. And we got those in order for you. Yes, we've got uh, Horror of Dracula. Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Dracula has risen from the grave. Taste the blood of Dracula. Scars of Dracula. Dracula AD 1972. And this one's my favorite title, The Satanic Rites of Dracula. The Satanic Rites. I've seen one of these movies. I've seen Scars of Dracula. I don't think I've seen a single one. Yeah, we should check them all out because they're they're supposed to be fun. It is spooky season. Shout out to Peter Cushing. I'm sure he's in a lot of these movies. He's in in the two that that Lee is not in, Cushing is in one of those. (laughs) So let's jump back into today's subject. So for today's episode, now that we've talked about Peter Jackson, who he is, and some of his influences, a lot of his influences, uh, today's uh, proper subject is going to be a list of five films of Peter Jackson's that led up to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This is going to be a hell of a ride, guys. Yeah, this is going to be a fun ride. Remember, this is the <laughs> Halloween special, so they are going to be weird. They're going to be gross. They're going to be weird. They're going to be gross, macabre, spooky, ookie, all that fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, if you haven't realized by now, Peter Jackson is a depraved prevert. He is a prevert. I like, yeah, I would <laughs> say he's a prevert. He's our prevert, though. We love him. I respect Peter Jackson, too, because uh, in a lot of these movies, he kind of lets you know within the first five minutes if, you, if you're going to like it or not. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah. He gives you a taste right off the bat. Right off the bat. If, if this you is going to be the movie it. for you or no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the list, let's go through the list, and then we're going to go through each individually. We got Bad Taste 1987. Hell yeah. Is that one of his earliest movies? That's or? the first, his first feature length. First feature length. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Meet the Feebles from 1989. Uh, Dead Alive, 1992. Which is known to a lot of you listening, uh, the rest of the English-speaking world, as Brain Dead, 1992. Which probably is a better title. Is a better title, and we're going to try to say Brain Dead instead of Dead Alive, because most of the world knows it by Brain Dead. So. Okay. Um, and then we got Heavenly Creatures from 1994, which we all just recently watched together and all fucking love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Frighteners. Classic. 1996. Classic classic film the, f- the family is the most family friendly film on this list L- yeah which is still rated r yeah which is still still somehow rated r still not very family friendly yeah no and we'll get into it yeah none of these films are family friendly at all um let's get into the very first one where it all started baby bad taste 
bad taste. So this was huge in Peter Jackson's film career because, like we said, it's his first one, mm-hmm. his first major film. It was released on December 11th, 1987 in New Zealand, and it wouldn't be released in the U.S. until 1989, a couple we years later. We had to later. wait. Mm-hmm. And I remember this movie haunted me in the horror section because of the cover with the alien on it. I always mm-hmm. remembered that, and I was always like, what is that movie? Oh, yeah. um, but let's the plot, simple one for this one, guys. Aliens invade a New Zealand village, and they are intent on harvesting human meat for an intergalactic fast food restaurant chain. That's yeah, right. You've heard it right. It's kind of a quirky storyline. Yes. Very simple. Very simple storyline. <laughs> this is the shortest one of the outline. It's just like two sentences. So let's a little background on this film. So this was originally conceived as a vampire film called Curse of the Gravewalkers, which uh, in New Zealand would be known as Case of the Gravewalkers. Case of the Gravewalkers. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a Super 8 film, and it kind of uh, evolved into this idea to bad taste. Oh, okay. So Peter Jackson, he filmed Bad Taste essentially every weekend over the course of four years. It was yeah. it was like his weekend project. And it was shot on a 25-year-old at that time, 16-millimeter Bolex film. Joe, just a second here. How does that make you feel? I, I feel like I appreciate it more. <laughs> yeah, because we actually, uh, you guys may not know, uh, we did a 16 millimeter film and it was real, real hard, wasn't it, Joe? Yeah, it was uh, It was an all-day affair for what I think the total runtime is a little over three minutes. It's a little over three minutes, and I think it took us about uh, 15 hours to shoot all together, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, because every single shot, you have to um, measure the manual. lighting. You have to, yep, everything's manual. And then the scariest thing is you don't know how it turned out until you get the footage yeah, back. Yeah, fuck you until you get the footage back. Yeah, you have no idea what that shit looks like. Right. As a, a funny aside about that experience, on top of just the overall difficulty of doing that in a tiny Minneapolis <laughs> oh, apartment, this, this is funny. We had um, we filmed it on a friend's in a, at a friend's apartment, and they had two neighbors who liked to come over and smoke in the friend's apartment. Yeah. So they periodically would bang on the door and come in for, I would say, like five minutes just to see what we were doing. Yeah, and they'd be like, no, we can't smoke yet. Okay, we're going to leave. And it would just be like every hour, this check-in, you guys done yet? <laughs> yeah, and it, it literally continued all day. And it was I felt like uh, Richard Jenkins and Step Brothers, yeah. where he just yells at John C. Riley to shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite shut the fuck up in cinema, by the way. Shut thank the you, for, Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> It, it was rewarding, though. It was a rewarding no, experience. Yeah, and uh, if you want to check it out, we'll, we'll post it in the Discord or something. Uh, we It is on YouTube, our 16mm short. It's pretty cool. It's really violent, if, yeah. you, like, if you like that. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It was such a, yeah, it's just an experience to yeah. have that. It's cool. Yeah, 16mm Brolex, really, really difficult camera to use. Uh, not by standards, but by me and Joe's standards. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, the initial yeah. cost, so let's go back to the film. The initial cost was of bad taste was $25,000. Yeah, and this was actually fronted by the New Zealand Film Commission. Oh, no, that was that was Peter's money, I think. Oh, so Peter contributed twenty five thousand. Right. Okay. The, so the New Zealand Film Commission contributed two hundred and thirty five thousand. There you go. Okay. To complete production, because it had taken so long originally. Yeah, it, he'd still be working on that if they. Yeah, at that pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. So can we just take a second here and to talk about the New Zealand Film Commission? Like this is actually government. Straight up investing in its people, guys. Yeah, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is a socialist program 
feeding money into the arts, and look how it fucking paid off. Yeah, this they, funded all of Jackson's early films. They funded, the government funded these disgusting little horror movies, <laughs> and now it's the number one film location on the planet. Yeah, who knows if Peter Jackson ever would have become big enough to be chosen for something like Lord of the Rings. If the government hadn't invested in its people. If the government of New Zealand hadn't invested in his weird-ass little films. <laughs> I hate to say it, guys, but without socialism... No Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and just look at what Peter Jackson and the Lord of the Rings has done. Yeah, come on, guys. New Zealand Film Commission, let's give them a hand. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we, we, there would be a Lord of the Rings, it would just be like Brett Ratner's Lord of the Rings. Just be, yeah, that's just what I'm garbage. saying. We, we were, <laughs> earlier today we were joking like who the fuck would have done the movie, and then we realized that Brett Ratner was really famous at the time. And <laughs> Brian we were like, Singer. Yeah, or Brian Singer. Could you imagine Brian Singer's Lord of the Rings? Mm. Brian Singer's not a good person, by the way. Google him before you watch yeah, his don't, movies. Don't watch X Men anymore. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Um, I, I, what I thought was super funny is that, um, so Peter Jackson made all of pretty much all of the costumes, makeup, and weapons, and they baked the alien masks in his mother's oven. Which is why they have <laughs> flat faces. Did you know that? Because the oh, oven no. wasn't tall enough. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the guns were either old World War II era weapons or homemade from recycled materials. Um, most were not operational. And this was really cool, I thought. So the actors simulated the recoil and then holes were poked in the film to create the muzzle flash. Brilliant. Yeah, some very simple Brilliant, basic effects. Simple, simple effect. Yep. And that probably took quite a bit of time to do. Yeah. yeah. You got to like put a poke a hole every time they like jerk their gun back. Yeah. So, okay, let's general discussion time. Uh, a few minutes here on bad taste. Let's so, let's, about, yeah. the discussion topics. Let's start off by talking about costume and makeup. Um, considering this was something that he fucking did on his weekends. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was still pretty impressed. I mean, it's obviously very low budget, but still. Oh, yeah, it's cool. Like when Peter Jackson, who also is a character in the film. Two, he's two characters. He's two characters in the film, but his uh, head splits open. and yeah. uh, he falls down the hill yeah. and he cracks his head open. And apparently if your he head is cracked open, as long as you hold it together, you're fine. Yeah, it's like his quirky moment where he takes this like flap of his skull. Yeah. And so like funny. closes it so his brain's not exposed yeah. anymore, and like he there's, wraps a belt around his head for yeah. a while. <laughs> there's so many good bits. I love what he says too. He's like, "I'm a Derek, and Derek's don't run." <laughs> it's like, what does that even mean? There's what just so many nonsense mean? lines in this movie. It just makes me laugh. I it's it's very rough around the edges, but I kind mm -hmm. of you can really see Peter Jackson. Like you can. You can see his style see his, emerging in this film, yeah. Yeah, you can see it coming out. I also, I, I don't know why these gross liquid scenes always stick out to me. The puke scene oh, in this movie scene. is yep. so gross. So yep. just to set the, there's a scene where they all, the aliens are all getting together. One person is pretending to be an alien by just putting on one of those uh, shirts that they wear. You should, it's it's like all denim, right? Yeah, it's they just, all wear denim. It's all denim, yeah. They're like blue shirt. If you're wearing a blue shirt, you're an alien. <laughs> And uh, they all spit up, or the one dude like spits a uh, vomit into the bowl. And then they all drink it. And they all drink it. And my favorite bit ever is the dude who's not an alien drinks it. And then he t he like goes to pass it back, pulls it back for another sip. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it, like whatever it was, it must have been good. It's like this build-up <laughs> moment like, oh, gross, he's a human. And this is so gross. He's going to hate it. How is he going to pull this off? And then he takes a sip and it's like delicious. Yeah. Like, must have been good. It looked like fucking like lucky charms that's what it looked like in yeah green milk or something mm -hmm. it was it was, it was not good it was kind of gross not good. Yeah. It, it was also a, i'm sorry go ahead 
Oh, I, Peter Jackson just always... He's so good at making you laugh, but in disgust. Yeah. Like, there's so many moments there's so where... There's like, like, I don't know if you can gag and laugh at the same time, but that's like what you do in a Peter Jackson movie. Yeah, so let's t- touch on the, the story and the plot. Uh, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, it's pretty simple. Pretty, pretty basic. simple plot. Yeah, aliens invading. There's like a group of uh, armed army people that are resisting them. It's what, like four friends? It's or four dudes in a in a car. In a car. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, one of them is Peter Jackson, uh, who tortures himself and then beats himself up in one scene, which is yeah, really he, funny. Yeah, he plays himself where his two... He plays two characters and both characters... Yeah, Peter Jackson with a beard. And then <laughs> Peter Jackson shaves. Yeah. And Peter Jackson shaved beats up Peter Jackson with a beard and like <laughs> yeah. throws him over a cliffside and hangs him by his leg or something. And tortures him with and a tortures, bayonet. And tortures yeah. him, yeah, with a bayonet. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Great shit, yeah. Um, the humor in this movie as well is just like... It's all over Peter Jackson. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. um it's just yeah, the most disgusting human yeah, that belly belly laugh and uh and <laughs> gag at the same time, you know. Even- There's a lot of good head explosions in this one, a lot of good headshots with guns. Yep. yep. Yeah. The final death too in outer space. Oh yes, Peter Jackson does one of many birthing scenes. This is one of uh, of uh, birthing scenes where he births himself out of an alien with a chainsaw. You guys, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he jumps. He he like goes through someone's head to to crotch with a yeah, chainsaw. Yeah, just that's with a right. chainsaw, and then comes out, and then he goes, it's "I was r- born again" or something. It's like that. really graphic and really. Gross. Yep. It's gross, great, right? you guys. I can't even describe. Yeah, guys, check out Bad Taste, and, and you can really see the projection to Lord of the Rings in this film, which is funny because it's so raw, it's so old, so you know? old, so low budget, so raunchy. But you see it. It's- you see that kind of just like that feeling that you get when you watch a Peter Jackson movie. You know, like it's there, which is impressive because it was just it was basically just him and his friends making this. And yeah, homies making just a movie. in his backyard essentially. Yep. So, so yeah. Let, yeah, let's jump to the next film on the list, which this I is... I have a... There's a soft spot in my heart for this movie. This is a quintessential Peter Jackson film. And this is a film... I, it's one of the rarest DVDs I own because it's out of print. Oh, really? Yeah, they're going to restore it soon. It should come out soon. This is one of the two films he apologized for when he got his Oscar, right? Yep. <laughs> Including ba- Bad Taste was the first one. And <laughs> he then, apologized uh, for Bad Taste yep. and Meet the Feebles. And I think the tagline is this is... From the people who brought you bad taste comes a film with no taste. With no taste at all. <laughs> no yeah. taste at all. Which sums it up. So we're sums talking about the film known as Meet the Feebles. Feebles. Meet the, Meet feebles. the feebles. Not your average ordinary peoples. Meet the feebles. <laughs> it does. It, the songs are genuinely pretty There's catchy. There's some earworms in this. Yeah. There's some st- songs in it that. Yeah. What was the one we were watching earlier on YouTube? Garden of Love. Garden of Love. Yeah. Garden of Love is a great song. Um. Yeah. So this was released in on December eighth, nineteen eighty nine, and it's Peter Jackson's first collaboration with his now longtime life partner Fran Walsh. Yeah, and if you don't know, Fran Walsh has done from this point on everything that Peter Jackson has done, including Lord of the Rings, including Lord of the Rings. Like yep. they say, with, she's uh, almost like an equal collaborator. Like Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did backwards and heels. That's this kind of situation. <laughs> she did everything Peter Jackson did, but she never really gets the credit for it, which is fucked up. Yeah. So this film, Meet the Feebles, that's that's where that relationship started. And this movie is not really a horror movie. Per se. Per se. It is a, a dark comedy. Some might say pitch black comedy. 
And it features some horror movie levels, like just a lot of nasty... Disgusting, disgusting shit. Disgusting Peter Jackson shit. Yeah. And the cast is uh, it's, it's, it is cast entirely by puppets. Yeah, that's the quirk of this movie. And people in animal suits for, for the larger characters. And uh, yeah, seriously, no shit, guys. There's no real people in this movie. Yeah, it's like rated R Muppets, but yeah. even just nastier and grosser. And oh my god. And we got a quote here from the Wikipedia page for Meet the Feebles, <laughs> which pretty much sums up Meet the Feebles pretty well. Who wants to read this one? Do we got Joel Joel's gonna read this one? It features Jim Henson esque puppets in a perverse comic satire. Like Henson's Muppets, the Feebles are animal figured puppets plus some suited performers who are members of a stage troupe. However, whereas the Muppets characterize positivity, naive folly, and innocence, the Feebles largely present negativity, vice, and other misanthropic characteristics. Does it very well. Very well. So the Feebles <laughs> are just gross and nasty people. <laughs> it's a good, it's an X-rated version of the Muppets, you guys. Essentially, if they if they were all just like the worst. Yeah, people. if the Muppets fucked each other and did drugs and <laughs> killed each other, this would be the movie. So the plot, let's get into the plot. Yeah. It's a washed up group of variety show performers called the Feebles that seek to put on one last show on live television. The real story is what happens behind the curtains. The performers and producers indulge in sex, drugs, violence, and everything from AIDS scares and drug-addicted Vietnam vet flashbacks are featured in subplots. Can the variety show go on with the disturbing shenanigans happening backstage? And when we say disturbing, we mean gross. Yeah, like, they're, doesn't they're the filming AIDS a porno back die there. Of AIDS, like really gross. No, it, he finds out it's not AIDS in the end. Oh, but he goes through like the where he's getting blackmailed by that paparazzi fly. Yeah, yeah, that eats a piece of shit in one of the scenes. That's right. Yeah, there's a there's a fly there's a fly that's a paparazzi that is following people around that eats shit in one scene. It's it's it, awesome. It's so hard to explain just like the level of depravity in this movie to it people is, who haven't seen it. It's difficult, yeah, because it's a mile a minute depravity. Like, yeah, there's like they're they're filming a, a weird porno in the background. Like, there's the rat characters like filming a weird porno and like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, what is it? The alligator, the Vietnam vet, he can't get his uh, fix. He's a junkie. He's a heroin addict, and he's supposed to do a knife throwing act, and he actually kills somebody with a knife at one point because he's like two jones in to do it right but this yeah this movie is just holy shit you guys so meet the feebles had a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget and they used every cent and like joe said the tagline want to say it one more time from the director of bad taste comes a film with no taste at all no taste <laughs> no at taste all. at all so let's uh, yeah let's discuss this a little bit how fucking outrageous is this movie so i remember when you guys showed this movie to me uh, it must have been like just out of high school. And this movie mm -hmm. fucked me up. I was like, this is weird. Who would make this? What <laughs> is this? What the actual fuck? It was. <laughs> I will say it's the only movie on this list that I like. I feel like kind of dirty or filthy after watching Oh, yeah. It. You need to take you, a shower yeah, after you, you watch like you Meet the to, You feel like you need to take a shower. Yeah. And it has a cathartic ending in, um, yeah, just mass murder. Anytime I meet like a Lord of the Rings fan or a particularly 
Christian person. Oh yeah, I love this. Like, who you regards Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson as like a Christian icon? Yeah, like yeah. who who holds Peter Jackson in high regard? This is the movie that I tell them about. Check out Meet the Feebles, guys. If you think Peter Jackson is a moral upstanding kind of person that yeah, has I, traditional values, I had an old you friend, are wrong. I had an old friend who I was talking to some years ago, and you know, he's he's a very Christian fellow, and he was like, you know, I can't remember what movie we were talking about, but he was like, man, I wish they would have just gotten you know like a, a good a good christian director you know like like peter jackson or something <laughs> like holy and i stopped shit. and i looked at him i was like what like did you have you seen anything he's done other than lord of the rings because he yeah. is one of the most disgusting he's one of us sons of bitches he's one of us he's a driving mutant he's and a I fucking pre- uh, i proceeded to tell this guy about meet the feebles and just watch his draw, jaw drop he didn't like yeah. have any response he had no idea what to say <laughs> i was yeah. like yeah, this, peter jackson is actually pretty gross peter jackson <laughs> believes in the three b's man blood breast beasts he he's, loves it. he's depraved and he does it he does a, <laughs> he's done a great job with all of them. i think yeah. what makes it so uh I, at least for me so fucked up is that i grew up like loving you know like the muppets treasure island and yeah. watching all the oh, gym sure. and stuff it kind of taints all those memories a little bit <laughs> yeah. but like the the puppets in the movie like it's it's like technically it's a good movie the songs are good oh meet the feebles i yeah, think it's meet a fantastic movie yeah. Yeah, yeah would that be technically considered a a musical i would say so yeah it's probably one of my favorite musicals it's it's a, definitely about producing a musical show okay yeah okay so yeah, and I don't. I'm I'm known in the friend group for not liking musicals. That's why he's saying that. I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, this movie, the the songs in it are fucking cool. And yeah, they even do that noir scene. Remember where it's all in black and white? Mm-hmm. That shit's pretty cool too. I forgot about that until just now. That's pretty funny. That Peter Jackson, his early films are just mile a minute, just at Non-stop. one thing after Non-stop. another. Yeah, yeah. He's just slapping guys. you in the face with like either something funny or something gross or both. Yeah, Meet the Feebles, grossest puppet movie you'll ever see. Not really a horror film. It kind of is a horror film. Yeah, it'll fit. Yeah. It'll fit in your October lineup. Yeah, watch it in October. Check watch it, it with a puke bag by you. <laughs> I would uh, don't eat too much beforehand. Yeah. I think I would recommend maybe all of his other early movies to people before Meet the Feebles, before just Meet in the terms Feebles. of yeah, just to, how, to how fucked up. up it is. Yeah, yeah, because I think I had seen I'd seen both Mad Taste and Brain Dead before I had seen Meet the Feebles, and I think you're right. Yeah, it's, that's the way to go. So okay, let's move on, guys. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, let's talk next on our list is Brain Dead. Brain a- Dead, aka Dead Alive. Dead Alive for Americans. Brain Dead for everyone else. Just like football and soccer. And yeah, right. So this was released on August thirteenth, nineteen ninety two in New Zealand and February twelfth, nineteen ninety three in North America under the title Dead Alive. Yeah, that had to for whatever reason they had to use that one in the US. I think it was because there was already a movie in the US called Brain Dead, I think. Oh, was there? Okay. Yeah. So the plot of this one, there's our main character, his name is Lionel. He's a young man living in the 1950s in Wellington, New Zealand, and he has an overbearing mother. To say the least. Say the very least. Yeah. Uh, she follows her son to a zoo one day where he is on a date, and his mother is bitten by a creature called the Sumatran Rat Monkey. And the the movie opens with a scene of them catching the Sumatran rat monkey, and it's which just, is very graphic. It's very graphic. Again, yeah. it just starts right off letting you know this is going to be a graphic ass movie. Yep, that's your uh, your 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 test there yeah. for if you can hold it, hold on to it. But uh, this bite given to Lionel's mother by the the rat monkey, this causes a zombie plague that spreads like wildfire to the people around Lionel, and he tries his best to cover it up. 
But uh, the mess just keeps getting worse. So, so much worse. <laughs> and that, yeah, that sums it up pretty well. And what I love, a uh, little uh, token of, uh, what do you call it, a little Easter egg, is if you look in the uh, King Kong 2005, on one of the ships, it's uh, one of the crates is, like, they bump into it and it makes a weird noise. Mm-hmm. And it's labeled Sumatran Rat Monkey. Oh, no way. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Yeah. Because they I- say it comes from Skull Island in the movie. Do they? Yeah, they yeah. said it comes from Skull Island. Oh. Yeah, I that opening scene you, you guys are talking about. I love how it. <laughs> I love the the New Zealand zoo official who's on this island gets bitten and scratched <laughs> yeah. by the yeah. monkey, and so they get him like away on this boat <laughs> yeah. or by this boat, and then every time they find a bite or a mark on him, they, they chop go off. The they limb. go Zengaya. Yeah. Zengaya, and it, at first it's on his right arm. They chop off his right arm. It's on his left arm. They chop off his left arm, and then they see a scratch on his face. And, and then, yeah, and they then chop it's off like, his head. And, and then it's the title screen. That's right? the title screen. Yep, yep. right there. <laughs> yep. What a film. Yeah. That that gag always got me every time. That was so fucking funny. Yeah. Zengaya. 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 Uh, just a little bit of background. Dead alive slash brain dead was a commercial failure. Three million dollar budget and gross less than two hundred and fifty grand. Ouch. Ouchies. That's rough. It has since gained a cult following and is hailed as one of the goriest films of all time. And when we say goriest films of all time, I don't think I have personally seen a film with as much blood. No, there's more blood yeah, in this movie. There's uh, We'll get into it in a second. But uh, And it's funny, too, because like Joel's not, you're not particularly a horror dude, but you are surrounded by people that are obsessed with horror. Yeah, so I've had a lot of exposure just through that. Just through that. And like this is probably the goriest one you've ever seen, right? I can't. Probably. I'm I'm seasoned sick, for, sick fuck, and I've never seen anything this bloody. I've also just happened to marry a huge horror fan. Yeah. Mallory, Mal, my wife, Mal literally loves horror. Literally grew up with horror because her dad wanted to watch horror films, so she'd yeah, watch I th- them with him. I, men- I mentioned it in my best man speech. I was like, one yeah. of the things we love is, yeah, she grew up on horror, so did I. Yeah. So, again, uh, let's touch on Peter Jackson's uh, longtime collaborator, Fran Walsh. Yep. Second collaboration on Brain Dead here. Yeah. So, they spent most of the budget for this movie on the gore and yeah. it really shows yeah yeah they decided actually to shoot on 16 mil rather than 35 so they could spend more money on gore that's actually really funny yeah it's a um, lot cheaper so jackson again crafted many of his miniatures that he used in this movie by hand as we know from lord of the rings peter jackson loves his miniatures 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 and the climax of this movie is the infamous lawnmower sequence. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, and this scene alone used around 300 liters of fake blood for us. Uh, and for us Americanos out there, that's just shy of 80 fucking gallons. A lot of fake blood. Like You can tell. That's like a big fish. That's like a bunch of fish tanks. Uh, how many, yeah, it's that's like, a very large fish tank. Yeah, it's <laughs> full of blood. <laughs> And like it wasn't like the most amazing looking blood. There was just a lot. A yeah, lot I think it looks it. pretty good, but it's yeah, it looks like it's real sticky. <laughs> yeah, it looks it's really slippery. wet and slippery. We were just talking about there's one uh, talk about Looney Tunes shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he mm-hmm. is trying to run from the zombies, but there's too much blood on the ground, so he just stays in one spot. He's running in place. He's like, he's like, he's like and then he catches traction on the body parts, and then like, yeah, runs. Oh I, yeah. Uh, speaking of Looney Tunes, I was making kind of notes throughout the movie. What 
of like Looney Tune type slapstick moments. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up just putting everything involving the zombie baby. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yep. the zombie baby. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's finish up this background and then we'll get yeah. into it. We'll get into so that the shit. um something that I thought was really cool was the the creature and gore effects were done by Richard Taylor and his first movie was a puppet maker on Meet the Feebles, yeah. which that has that's like a hell of a first movie to get break yeah. into the New Bro. Zealand film industry. Think about this in too. Uh, Richard Taylor is is also Sir Richard Taylor. He's also a member mm. of the New Zealand Order of Merit. Yep. And so two people that worked on Meet the Feebles are knighted now nice like that's, that's fucking really wild funny. that's, that's really so funny. fucking wild he also worked on heavenly creatures king kong and then he worked on all three lord of the rings films as a way to workshop supervisor oh, yeah. um doing special makeup armor creature and miniature work mm. which i think when they knighted him they were probably thinking more of lord of the rings than meet the you don't Feebles, think but... Prob- probably you don't think huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I would say yeah. They were like, oh yeah, the heavenly creatures and uh, yeah, in Lord of the Rings were just <laughs> delightful. Yeah, I don't know. Heavenly creatures might be a little spicy for some too. Honestly, it might it's be. True. We'll get into for that its, for its time. It might have been actually. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's just have a short discussion about Brain Dead here. Even though we could probably talk about it for fucking hours because this movie mm-hmm. is the goddamn Lawrence of Arabia of gore. It's iconic it's, as hell. How yeah. iconic is this film? so fucking iconic i mean like there's so many bits in this film like it's 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 i would be like what's your favorite bit but they're literally a mile a minute you guys like there's it's so many yeah like i would say my favorite scene is the graveyard scene and then they go well what bit from the graveyard scene <laughs> right where oh, the I dude gets his the yeah where the dude gets his dick ripped off or when the priest says i kick ass for the lord and then goes uh karate bruce lee <laughs> on some zombies and rips their fucking arms and legs <laughs> off and uses them as weapons. That's right. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about when he flies through the air and gets impaled on the angel and it sticks through his chest? Like, there's so many scenes. Like, uh, Or you're talking about, like, the ghost drill sergeant that lives in the graveyard that's always yelling at everybody? That's in the Frighteners, dog. Is that not in... Oh, fuck me. God <laughs> damn it. I'm, his, I'm getting my Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson movies mixed up. We did watch a lot of Peter Jackson. We did watch in a short amount of time. Get, <laughs> forgive him. Lots of graveyards. God forgive him. A lot it. of graveyard scenes. No, do you remember? That's my mother's grave you're piecing on. Yeah. And then she grabs his dick from the grave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, the one... The one scene that, for, it's not like the grossest scene, but it always sticks out to me is when the Ladies Welfare League comes and has lunch with Lionel's I, mother. I disagree. Ooh. I think this is one of the grossest scenes. It is very gross. But I it's, how, it's the warm-up gross scene. I love how she, she's getting her makeup on. She's like, it's the WLWL. And her she puts makeup on her cheek. Her cheek skin falls off. Yeah. Lionel super glues it back on because he's just so obedient to his mom. Yeah. But the 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 scene that really sticks out is it's a man and his uh wife who show up and they bring out custard for dessert Ugh. and lionel's mom has just this gross like sucking pustule it's the wound sumatran rat monkey bite from yeah. the sumatran rat monkey and she squirts pus into this guy's custard yeah and what does he say joe is he is he, he mixes eats it the cuts, eats it he eats it and then he says rich and creamy just the way i like it yeah and then he then goes on to insult his wife and say she never <laughs> makes custard this good just yeah. also just the shot of him eating the custard is just so slow yeah and, and so graphic gross. and just like mm, yummy yeah it's just one of the things that i really found 
I, I, the one of the things I noticed after watching all these Peter Jackson films is it's not only his gore effects, but it's the fucking sound. Oh yeah, the sound design are so good. Go with his gore. There's so many gore, slurpy, sloppy, gross. Yeah, agree. Squelching, as Netflix would say. There's so many <laughs> squelching sounds. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's yeah. The sound. Shout out to the sound design. Yeah, these movies. Yeah, the certain amount of gore. Does Does Peter Jackson have mommy issues? You know, I wrote that in here just because after I, this movie, <laughs> it made me consider. Like, I don't, I, don't, I have mommy issues for sure. Like, you know, <laughs> it's the be- it happens to the best of us. But like, I thought you were about to say it's the best. It, oh yeah, <laughs> mommy best. issues are the best, dog. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but it it seems like yeah he might because he prefer he portrays it he portrays it very uh, I don't know close to the hip like it feels like it's it's a, it's a, it might be about a personal a little, a little personal yeah. yeah a little personal. I, Did you I, ever wonder if maybe Peter Jackson's mom ever turned into a giant rat zombie and he had to like <laughs> and he had to like go into people its with womb? a lawnmower and like <laughs> go into the rat's womb? Yeah, and then he comes out in another ritual birth. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's really all about. He's those, reborn again. Yeah, just like in Bad Taste. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Mommy issues, right? Huh. I I also love how um I love horror movies that give you like the most meek mannered. And just like kind of worthless protagonists. Yeah. yeah. And then by the end of the movie, they just turn into just like as monstrous as the, you know, the creatures yep. they're fighting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out. I put a, a shout out to Cold Fish in here. Cold Fish. Great Cold Fish. Movie. Oh, my nice. God. Very nice. Are you going to introduce our, my audience to Cold Fish? I don't know. You didn't ask about this. I don't know. <laughs> you didn't consult us ahead of time. I mean, if you if you can watch Dead Alive, you can watch or Brain Dead, you can watch Cold Fish. I guess. Yeah. Cold Fish is a very disturbing one. It's Japanese, right? Yep. Not to get too off topic. Not to get too off topic. Very <laughs> one of the most disturbing uh, Japanese horror movies I've seen. One other thing I just wanted to say quick too is at the very end of the movie, um, a brain dead. There's probably at least twenty zombies just like invading this tiny house, mm-hmm. and I. It's sort of an indication of how well he because he does such a good job at kind of like spatially directing things. Mm-hmm. And I was always I was reminded of like the minds of Moria Breach in Fellowship where. Yeah. There's just like 30 orcs. It's a very small, cramped thing. Oh, yeah. But You're he like, just. How will the protagonist get out of this? The, the yeah. Chamber of Mazarbal fight, like the first yeah. Moria fight. But he does such a great job at just like, you always know what's going on, what yeah. action is happening. Yeah. And I love, I love how brilliant that house party sequence is because you get to kill all the original guests yep. with zombies. Yep. And then all original guests reanimate. To kill the rest of the guests. Yep. So you get a whole party full of zombies all of a sudden, and it's just, it's a brilliant idea, yeah. right? And then, yes, Lionel has the, what we described earlier, the infamous lawnmower sequence, <laughs> where he holds a 1950s lawnmower on its side and literally just runs through the crowd. He, like, ropes it to the front of his chest yep. and, like, walks forward. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> fucking mayhem. Like, honestly, this is on YouTube if you want to check it out. They had, like, blood squirting pipes just, like, attached attached to the lawnmower and they yeah. were just spraying <laughs> blood constantly i showed that scene to my therapist <laughs> yeah. what, what did they think of it i laughed like a madman as we were watching it I but i think they were that just, is one of the best things you could have possibly done yeah. to allow your therapist to understand to understand me right that's what are. i figured yeah i was like if she knows this is the kind of shit that i'm into uh, no they like horror too so like they they understood it a little bit oh but like God. yeah they had never seen something so outrageous it was that is an outrageous scene if if nothing else you guys have to check it out for that scene alone it's amazing yes and yeah and uh one more thing this is a love letter to evil dead yeah would you say joe yeah yeah definitely 
Especially, I, I was really reminded of kind of Ash's character progression with Lionel. Right, yeah, Ash turns, uh, yeah, he's a mild-mannered kind of dude in the beginning of the, the series, and then he becomes the he king, cracks. the king, baby. Yeah. King of kings. Have you guys watched the show, Ash versus Evil Dead? I've watched the first, I think, season and a half, yeah. Okay. Oh, I need to see it. It's good. I liked it. So, let's hop to our next film on the list of Peter Jackson films that influenced The Lord of the Rings. This is a film I had never seen until recently, just when we watched it like a week or two ago. Yeah. And this Same. film. Yeah, oh, this yeah, was one really? that I was the only one that had seen yeah, it. Yeah, I hadn't seen it either. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, this film is Heavenly Creatures, and this was released on October 14th, 1994. It came out on uh, November 16th of the same year in the Americas. Yeah. And I think this is, in my opinion, and the opinion of many people, the first film that made the film industry see Peter Jackson as a very talented filmmaker. Yeah. And not just a splatter guy. Because splatter's the best, but this is actual like high art filmmaking, in my opinion. This is the first time we oh, yeah. see that from him. This is a proper narrative. Like, yeah. This is, yeah. This is a full-on Hollywood-ish style film. Yeah, and it garnered him an Academy Award nomination for Best screen- Screenplay, along with... Partner Fran Walsh. So this film featured the, the debut of Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky. Yeah, two uh, very prevalent actors in the early 2000s. Uh, Kate Winslet, obviously very famous. Mm-hmm. Melanie Linsky went on to do some bit roles and stuff on TV. You'll see her throughout the early 2000s. Um, yeah, while not quite a horror film, Heavenly Creatures is based on a New Zealand true crime story. Yeah, so it's definitely got some drama and some tenseness to it. Yeah, and that's the Parker Hume murders uh, in Christchurch, New Zealand in 1954. Yeah, infamous in New Zealand. You want to read the plot, Joel? Joe? What's the plot? Uh, so the plot is the true story of two girls that develop a very intense friendship and create a fantastical fictional universe together. After being separated for their forbidden love, they develop their fantasy world so much that the line between fantasy and reality begins to blur. The girls will do anything to be together, even murder. Murder. Bum, bum, bum. Um... And so Walsh and, and Jackson uh, took kind of a unique approach to the story. Instead of just focusing on the murder and the trial, they f- really focused on the intense relationship between Holm and Parker. Yeah, it was a real character study on the both of them. Um, Peter Jackson said, The friendship was for the most part a rich and rewarding one, and we tried to honor that in the film. It was our intention to make a film about a friendship that went terribly wrong. Um, I, I love the scene in this movie on the playground where they're first kind of connecting with each other. And um, Kate Winslet's character is like, let me see the scar on your leg again. Let me see mm-hmm. it. And then she's showing her this horrible scar on her leg. And then Kate Winslet's like, oh, I have scars on my lungs. Yeah. One of the things that the two characters bonded over was that they had spent large time, large amounts of their childhood in and out of hospitals. One had a bone disease and the other one had uh, tuberculosis. That's And I love Kate Winslet's so good in this movie. She's I love the line where she says, the best people have bad chests and bone diseases. It's yeah. all frightfully romantic. It's all frightfully romantic. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, what, it's funny what Peter Jackson said about a friendship that went terribly wrong. I made Joel laugh because I said to, I described this movie to Joel as 
when friendship is magic goes wrong. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was trying to take some notes while I was watching some of these movies. And Heavenly Creatures was such a lovely movie, and I was so engrossed in it. That was literally the only note I took. <laughs> when friendship is magic goes wrong, escapism plus friendship is magic equals you lose track of reality. <laughs> well, it was it's a sad story too because it's it's really like a beautiful relationship that these girls have it is. and it's just their parents are not okay not with that it. at all. No, yeah. right. They they get Yeah, a imagine slight... if they were accepted. They could have been t- Tolkien's themselves. Yeah. The, yeah. The, basically the parents get a slight uh, slight whiff of homosexuality, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just so freaked out by it they don't even let the girls. Yeah, this is the 1950s in New Zealand. So yeah. like, yeah, not the most socially progressive era. And yeah, yeah, they yeah they get a whiff of that homosexuality and they're like oh shit we gotta separate these two and it's just like they wanted to be together leave them leave them alone they had an incredible universe that they created together which i think is like uh um very interesting that he chose to do this movie because it's a lot like tolkien in his universe that mm-hmm. he created yeah and the escapism so. of that i did notice those similarities i thought yeah. that was very interesting yeah yeah so an incredible amount of time and research went into this screenplay and it had essentially fascinated walsh since her childhood so before us dudes get into discussing this subject let's hear from a female perspective on a very female driven film yeah i was excited to when i showed this to everybody uh, last week to have uh, some women watch it with us so, uh, mallory kind of watched it she was doing something else mm-hmm. but uh our um production manager um virginia she uh shout out to virginia if you're listening what up v um what up v she uh watched it with us and i asked her to write something up for us to read yeah about give us her, her give us her thoughts her perspective yeah and uh this is uh this is it this film was a fantastic movie and a sad story i appreciate that it focuses on the relationship between the two without looking at it through the male gaze meaning that it is not overly sexualized and that their bond is more about the things that they do together uh, and the physical that is almost an and the physical is almost an afterthought. It is about the girls and how they feel about each other. I love the parallel between the real world and their fantasy world. You can see that in the fantasy world they have there is a different way and how people support them. And this is an amazing way to foreshadow the violent tendencies that pauline with her murdering peasants just before she is uh just when she's bored this is in direct contrast with juliet who wants to get their son to help so he can stop the violent tendencies when pauline supports them their son then starts to make a protective role for pauline showing that she craves the protection of someone who looks out for her without an agenda I agree with it that the girls were not insane and their parents would have just let them be together. This would not have occurred. Not to justify murder, but it seems wrong that Pauline's family boarded people, so I don't understand why they couldn't just board Juliet and they could be together. Overall, that is a fantastic movie, and I think Peter Jackson did an amazing job portraying the other world and the real world. Words from Virginia. Yeah, so let's jump into a little discussion. And I think Virginia put it really well. Peter Jackson Mm -hmm. did an amazing job portraying the real world in conjunction with the secondary world, which I think is why this film was so important leading up to Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, totally. This is is the one. I think people saw and were like, oh, yeah, this guy can handle Lord of the Rings. He can really handle a fantasy universe. Because when it transitioned into the two girls' fantasy, 
the whole scene, everything about the film changed into just this fantasy world. He did a wonderful job of portraying the fantasy. Yeah, and I think yeah, like New New Line Cinema got like excited about that. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because New Line Cinema, and I just told this guys earlier, had known about Peter Jackson because he wrote a script for Nightmare on Elm Street Six mm-hmm. that was never made, mm-hmm. but is undoubtedly better than the piece of shit Nightmare on Elm Street Six <laughs> that we got. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but um, that's how he got in touch with Robert Shea, who famously produced all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, and also went on to produce The Lord of the Rings for New Line Cinema. Ba-ba. Uh, Freddy brought Lord of the Rings to us. Thank Without you, Freddy. Freddy, there's no Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's such a serious topic, and he showed such restraint with it. Yeah, there's um, very little like uh, of the crazy-ass humor that he normally has. Yeah, especially since we've seen what he can do thinks it's funny yeah (laughs) but he does such a good job too with like just there's still like his humor and the tension like i remember that scene in the diner where this is like right before they decide that they're gonna kill i love this their mother and then they're her mom's looking at what a dessert or something some kind of yeah english people eat like cream cake or whatever yeah Yeah. she's like have one mommy treat yourself yep and she just stares at her while she eats it yeah yeah because it's it's like a last meal sort of and her mom's like oh no i I shouldn't and it's treat yourself yeah yeah that was almost kind of fucked up too it was like (laughs) i thought that was pretty fucked up too pretty dark and then the very at the very end, the walk through they're walking in the in this forest with their mom, and mm-hmm. there's just so much tension because you know the mom's just blissfully uh, yeah they're ignorant. at like a they're at, yeah. they went to like a national park for like a walk or it something. was like so much nonverbal acting going on there. Yeah. It was really good. And the murder is fucking brutal. We watched the it uncut is. version, and I think in the uncut version the murder's a little bit more brutal because mm-hmm. I did not remember seeing uh, that many whacks when I was watching. A lot of whacks. Yeah, and there's uh, they kill her with a brick, and it's pretty fucking violent. It's loud. It's violent. It's traumatic. Yeah, and it it, it shatters this whole fantasy world that they built so long to build. It took so long to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, the fantasy actively shatters as they're as they're murdering their as mother. they're murdering her. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a wonderful shot yeah so i um yeah i love heavenly creatures one of my favorite peter jackson movies what do you guys you guys really liked it too i was pleasantly surprised and i've thought about this film quite frequently since we watched thinker, it. yeah it's a really good one this is one of the first like full-fledged serious films i've seen him do i really like it is kind of a u- unique take because i feel like true crime there's a lot of true crime that's so obsessed with just the act itself yeah and the details of the act and he really he made it so that by the end of the movie you you can really feel why the girls felt like they didn't have any other options this wasn't out mm-hmm. of nowhere yeah yeah it wasn't out of nowhere mm-hmm. yeah and if they would have just had people that cared and understand it about a standard them this never would have happened so yeah, we'll leave you at uh, parent your children well. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Or they might murder you. Or they might fucking murder you with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, let's move on to the last film we're going to be talking about. Yeah, last film on our five film list that led up to Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. And this is, of course, the Frighteners classic Frighteners. horror film. Horror comedy. Horror comedy Peter Jackson released on July 19th, 1996. And once again, it was written by both Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh. His Were they married at this time? I am not sure when they got married. Okay. But it was produced by the both, written by the by the both of them. And it was produced by Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis, yeah, of uh, Back to the Future fame. And uh, what else has Zemeckis done? 
Polar Express. Polar Express, yeah, that weird. <laughs> all his, movie. all his stop Those, motion or not stop motion. The weird all his, anima- uh, uh, motion capture, motion capture animation. Movies yeah, he made the, that uh, Beowulf one too, right? Christmas oh, Carol, uh, Christmas Carol, and the Christmas Carol. Yep. I remember all those. Yeah, so he's always on the cutting edge of technology, and uh, th- so Robert Zemeckis also uh, back in the day known for being one of the producers of Tales from the Crypt. Mm. A fantastic television show. Um, and this was originally, uh, The Frighteners was originally intended to be a spinoff film. But yeah, that featured uh, some cutting edge special effects by Weta Digital, which had only existed for two years at the time. Nice. Very nice. The early days of Weta. So this movie starred Michael J. Fox, whom I'm sure many of us ro- will remember as Marty from Back to the Future. Of course. And Teen Wolf. And of course Teen Wolf. Yeah, we <laughs> can't course. forget Teen Wolf. Um, also starred D. Wallace Stone and Jeffrey Coombs, both horror icons. Oh, yeah. And Jeffrey Coombs, he's known for uh, mostly his Stuart Gordon films. Stuart Gordon is a fantastic horror director. Uh, the Reanimator series, From Beyond, and Castle Freak. And Wallace Stone, known for The Hills Have Eyes, E.T., The Howling, Cujo, Critters, and Alligator 2, The Mutation. Which is not very good. I just recently watched it. <laughs> <laughs> the f- original Alligator is fantastic, but re- Alligator 2 Mutation is not very good. Also, just not to get too off topic, but as a side note... This is I, really funny. I accidentally clicked on D. Wallace's website because I was just doing some casual Googling. And uh, she had a, a like promo for a new book that she'd written called Born. And the promo said, D. Wallace's Born is a powerful book about how spirituality, brain science, and religion are all teaching the same principles and how you can easily use them in creating your life. Interesting. And uh, I, I think that if there are any loyal listeners, you can donate $150. And I think Danny would use that money to, <laughs> to get a, a healing session with D. Wallace for 30 minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to session. meet D. Wallace. I'm a big fan of The Hills Have Eyes, <laughs> and uh, The Howling is pretty good, too. You know, I'd, ch- I'd check it out. <laughs> but And we were reading some of these testimonials on her website. Oh, my God. Do you have them up? I I have the one we were that, talking about. Read the about one up. we were talking about. So we... <laughs> this is about halfway down her testimonials. It says, after years with full-blown AIDS... I began working with D's principles, applying self-direction and choosing joy. I've been told I am now AIDS-free. My count is higher than it has ever been and holding. For me, this is a miracle. What? D Wallace cured AIDS with her program, you guys. (laughs) So yeah, remember D Wallace. Uh, She's in this film. (laughs) Who else is in this film? We got one. Yeah. Uh, We got to move on from that. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. So the the film also features uh, Jake Busey. Jake Busey. Busey. And I believe that's Gary Busey's son. Okay. I believe it's pronounced Jake Bussey. Bussey? Bussey? (laughs) Uh, It's not Bussey. It's (laughs) definitely not Bussey. He's known for uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, He's in Paul Verhoeven's anti-war masterpiece, Starship Troopers. Nice. We all love that one, right? So the plot of the movie Frighteners. So a successful architect, Frank Bannister, has a close brush with death and has changed forever. Frank can now speak and see the dead. He now uses a band of departed friends to scam people into having their houses quote-unquote cleansed by Frank, now working as a paranormal investigator. 
when random people in town start to die, all of the same mis- all from the same mysterious condition. Frank and his ghost friends come up against a dark spirit from the town's past that is seeking its revenge. Can Frank stop the evil that threatens his town? First, he must confront his own ghosts from the past to untangle this mystery. Ooh, yeah, this <laughs> one's pretty plot thick. Yeah, this is it a pretty is. plot mm-hmm. thick story. It, it it is heavy on the plot. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of a mystery. Yeah, it is. A, it's a whodunit of sorts. Yeah, yeah, with high stakes. Yeah, so it's and gonna, some fun quirky ghosts and shit. Oh yeah, this is a very fun movie. I mean, it's uh, some of the dialogue and stuff is a little dated because it's from you know the nineties, but like it's it's still very fun. I really yeah. like it. So let's jump into a little background on this one. So the Frighteners featured cutting-edge digital effects for this era. And again, this era we're talking about is 1996. And this is again under the special effects supervisor, Sir Richard Taylor. So the Frighteners had more digital effects shots than any other film at this point in time. And this is mostly due to the, the ghost characters in this mm-hmm. movie. There's a lot of, lot of ghost characters. Uh, all scenes with ghost characters had to be filmed twice, once with the actors on set and, one, and once with the ghost actor on a blue screen. Yeah, and they had to sync up their motions together. It was incredibly difficult to do. Okay, so it's like early, early blue screen layering yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. The uh, Grim Reaper character was the most complicated. They originally intended to use practical effects. They were discussing puppets, hmm. costumed actors shot at different frame rates, okay. and even discussed doing a water tank puppet to simulate the cloak. Like flowing hmm. in the wind and stuff? That'd yeah. Be, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So it took up to 18 months to complete this movie, The Frighteners, and the makeup for The Judge, the character known as The Judge, acted by John Astin, was designed by a legendary special effects makeup artist, Rick Baker. Rick, uh, who is like one of the the gods of special effects makeup, he was not present to apply the makeup, uh, which was five hours of application. Jesus Christ. Because he was off working on a film called The Nutty Professor, (laughs) which I believe he won an Oscar for. Oh, for real? Nutty Professor won Oscars. I, yeah, I guess for, I ma- didn't, for I special guess. for makeup. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, during the production of this movie, uh, Weta was running behind schedule. So Robert Zemeck's convinced the industrial light and magic mainstay West. To, oh, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. I think it's Takahashi. 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 West Takahashi. They convinced him to come on as an animation supervisor. Yeah, and West Takahashi is known for uh, a bunch of good movies. Why don't you tell us a few, Joseph? Known for The Goonies, Back to the Future trilogy, Top Gun, classic. Classics. Oh, classic I fucking, film. yeah. No, Joe <laughs> trolls me because he professes to love Top Gun and I fucking hate it because it's work propaganda trash, but. <laughs> um, Willow, which is also a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never, never seen it, but I heard it's great. Yeah, it is a really good movie. Warwick Davis. Yeah. Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and mm. The Abyss. James Cameron's The Abyss. Yeah, the score was also done by Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Gotta love a good Danny Elfman. Yeah, who's incredibly famous, done a billion scores, most notably... Nightmare Before Christmas, every fucking Tim Burton movie, and Mission Impossible, just to name Didn't he few. also do the Spider-Man movies from the early 2000s? Uh, I think so. Yeah, he was doing everything. I think it was Danny Elfman and Sam Raimi who did those, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was into, Danny Elfman did a shitload of stuff in that era. 
So, right. yeah, let's get into a little bit of discussion of Frighteners. Special effects. Wow, how good were they for 1996? Yeah, especially for people who apparently were using, like, the blue screen for the first time for mm-hmm. trying to, like, sync up these shots. They yeah, did the a, They did a really good job. The performances were great. Yeah, they looked like they're actually talking to those people, which is hard to do. It's mm-hmm. really hard to do. It was funny, too, because we actually had a friend drop in on Discord while we were watching. They go, oh, watching some early 2000s CGI, and then we're like, no. This is some <laughs> mid-90s CGI. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow, it looks really good mm-hmm. for mid-90s. Yeah, I love John Astin's, which Sean Astin's dad, right? Yeah, it's Sean Astin's dad, who also played Gomez on the Addams Family back in the day. Nice. Yeah, so he's kind of a horror icon in himself, too, actually. His, he, he looks great in this movie. Yeah, the Rick Baker makeup, yeah. Some questionable stuff in the museum scene. Yeah, he does some, <laughs> but. some questionable things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He looks Yeesh. great. Yeah, he looks great. And uh, and John Aston does a great job too. He's one of my favorite characters in the movie. Also, this isn't uh this isn't CGI, I guess, but I love when Jeffrey Combs reveals his body. Oh, he's yeah. like, My body is a roadmap, a roadmap of, pain. of pain. And it's just cult <laughs> symbols and scars yeah. and it's just I love how he has a women a problem uh with women yelling at him too. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know if I ever oh, told yeah. you the the lore behind that, Joel. I think I heard this in an interview or read this somewhere. Okay. It's because he was uh infiltrated a witch's coven as, oh. an, as an FBI agent and he uh had PTSD from the women of the that were witches all right all right <laughs> i just thought it was such a hilarious quirk for his character like anytime a woman yells he just like can't hand. He, he just like out. completely yeah jeffrey combs out. uh he he chews scenery in this fucking movie he's <laughs> he like so yeah. well the, the interrogation scene where he's interrogating michael j fox yeah. is so good and yeah. the cameras it's just like these sideways angles of his eyes yeah it's so good yeah so well directed so well edited and jeffrey combs just fucking he sells it yeah he's great uh yeah d wallace stone obviously she's in a bunch of horror movies too starting with the hills have eyes which is Mm -hmm. a very famous horror film um yeah the use of horror icons peter jackson loves old horror films right Mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah so let's there's also this movie features some mass shooting scenes which uh kind of hit differently today yeah than they did back in the the 90s i think especially for us americans it's a little for, yeah it was a uh, yeah it was a little uh, it was a little fucked up i mean like you know i'm used to fucked up things but like mm-hmm. really real shit like that is kind of different and they hit a little harder uh nowadays mm-hmm. but this was because they were of course inspired by charles starkweather the famous spree killer in mm, the 1950s okay. gotcha okay um, I love how there was a bunch of serial killer lore in this movie as well. There really was, yeah. Yeah, they mentioned a bunch of different serial killers. Uh, yeah, they they mentioned Andre Chekatilo, remember, by uh, not by mm. name, but they say that Russian guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, yeah, so this this was so much fun. Yeah, there. and uh, they tried very hard to get this uh, PG-13 rating, but it just uh, it wouldn't go. Didn't pan out. And they're so, like, uh, Jake Busey is just such a gleeful serial killer, Yeah, too. Jake yeah, Busey is great as like, the Johnny he, character. Sold, just, he sold that real he's well. He's just yeah. so concerned about how many people he's killed. That's all he cares about. Yep. yep. That's all he wants is them numbers. So we got a, a little thing from IMDb here about the, the PG-13 rating. So from IMDb, the, it said that the film was originally made to be PG-13. However, the MPAA thought the film was too intense for the rating and gave it an R. No matter how much Peter Jackson would edit the movie to try to get to the desired rating, the ratings board would keep it R, including citing some reasons like a door was shot by a gun too many times. (laughs) Jackson being angry that he toned himself down for nothing changed a death scene in the movie to be more graphic in order to make the rating feel more deserving. Do we know which death scene that was? 
That's probably when Jeffrey Combs gets his head blown off with a shotgun. That's what I was uh, thinking. Uh, yes, that would make sense. And then the ghost head is there. That's such a funny bit. I love that. Mm-hmm. There's like a confused ghost head replacing <laughs> it. But as a side note, if you, uh, what's it called? This film is not yet rated. Oh, I love that documentary. To, uh, yeah. yeah, the MPAA is very. We, we've we actually talked about how we hate the MPAA on the oh, show. Fuck the MPAA. Yeah, KOT says fuck the MPAA. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're yeah, awful. I believe at one point I said I hate you and you wish you would go away for the MPAA <laughs> yeah. on this show. So a few things that I thought were kind of funny about this movie. I thought it was funny when the early on in the go, in the movie when the ghosts are like discussing their bit that they do to get money or whatever yeah they're scam they're scam and the ghosts are always like the the babies like the little babies the kids there are always in the for kids scaring the parents. Yeah. they always <laughs> love scaring the parents i love that scene too um i love the drill sergeant from the graveyard which i mistakenly referenced from <laughs> brain dead yes. it was this movie yeah that's arlie ermy from um uh, mail call on the history channel if you're a, uh, a warmongering oh, kid yeah. like i was <laughs> or uh he's also in uh, full metal jacket yeah, yeah. The and then uh, another scene i really liked was our one of the main characters boyfriend who dies the kiss and seated guy who goes to his own funeral yeah that oh, guy was yeah. funny that was so fucking hilarious he's just sitting there weeping this is a goddamn tragedy God, he was, i was so young <laughs> i was so young and then the priest just reads off the most generic generic bullshit bullshit yeah. ever and he's like you know that's right he wouldn't lie at a time like this yeah <laughs> Because it was like everybody at this funeral knows you were kind of a piece of shit. Kind, dude. Of, a, kind of a piece of shit, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Frighteners. Quality movie. I really, Classic film. Almost like a family film in a way. Like really, if you, this if you got a fucked really up made family, me, you know? This film made me laugh a lot. It was great. Yeah. This is uh, yeah, a very good this film. This one actually isn't terribly gross. I, I mean, as we just read over with no. his attempt to get it rated <laughs> PG-13, it, it just didn't end up being super gross. Fairly restrained. Yeah. yeah. Very restrained. If you were to dip your toes in early Peter Jackson films, this would. If you're squeamish, I think this is. A oh good yeah, check out Frighteners. Yeah, this is 100%. a good, This is a great starting point. Yeah, yeah check out Frighteners first. Yeah, I uh, I think Brain Dead is my favorite though. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, Brain Dead is. Yeah, Brain Dead oh. is um, the king of horror films. It's fucking awesome. But yeah, some uh, some final thoughts. You you liked Brain Dead best. I like Brain Dead best. What about you, Joel, out of this list of five? Um, I think I've seen Braindead a couple times, and it's definitely like iconic for me, especially yeah. going back to being it being one of like the early horror movies that you guys exposed me to Yeah, in terms of gore. That's what really got me jaded to gore. Yeah. <laughs> and I was finally able to watch gory shit after that. So, yeah. But I think my favorite one on this list was probably Heavenly Creatures. Mm. Yeah, great film. Heavenly Creatures, uh, yeah. I-, I was just so pleasantly surprised by that film. It was a lot more especially after watching all of his other like quirky kind of gross kind of funny movies yeah that one kind of took me by surprise yeah and i would i would recommend all five of these films honestly oh yeah Mm -hmm. they're all really fun um check them out brain dead is something you'll is a a one in a million type of film that you'll never see again that brain dead we watch that every year in october oh we love it brain dead i think i have two copies of it It, it was fun to watch these sort of in order and kind of because you can really tell his progression as a yeah. filmmaker and yeah and how that led to the lord of the rings trilogy yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah you can see a lot of it come out in the lord of the rings and hopefully this yeah this insight uh some final thoughts here hopefully this episode kind of gave you some insight into that the early the the early films of peter jackson that um led to him making the lord of the rings and hopefully this will inspire you to see some of these films and have a spooky yuki good time this october it has been a long time dream of mine to start a horror podcast, which we talked about on here before. 
Um, so, yeah, share this with your horror-loving friends if they're not necessarily Tolkien fans, but like horror and Peter Jackson would like to listen to this episode, let them know. Yeah, yeah we're trying to gauge interest for uh, getting that horror podcast going. Yeah. Yeah, so let us know if that's something that you would listen to, you know, or know people who would listen to it. Because we're basically trying to convince Joe. He's the last <laughs> obstacle here um, into doing this project. So convince Joe that you liked him here today and that you'd like to hear more from him. Yeah, we want to have him back. He's uh, at bystander on the Discord. Harass him. <laughs> I think I'm I'm done. I'm gonna be like if Orson if Orson Welles had stopped after Citizen Kane. Oh yeah, this, this, is, this is as good as it'll get. <laughs> I'm, I'm done now. Then we wouldn't have Touch of Evil though. Yeah, that is true. Touch See? of Evil is a great movie. See, not as good. Well, I'll we'll save know. it. Save it for a different. It's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> that's another. That's a whole another episode. <laughs> But uh, also, on this note, happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, happy friggin' Halloween. We hope you guys enjoy spooky season as much as we do. We love spooky season. Have a spooky, yuki good time. Eat, drink, and be merry. Party like Tolkien characters. And that's the best kind of partying. Yeah. Embrace the creepy, the spooky, the ooky, the macabre. And in honor of Peter Jackson, the straight up gross. The gross, exactly. <laughs> then the nasty, this creepy, the crawly, this oozy, the, the, the silly, the. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's about all we have for our Peter Jackson episode. Hope this was really different, and I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, this was a fun episode. Again, welcome back to Keep on Tolkien for Season 6. Season 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. This is going to be a good season. So we are very excited about next episode, not only because it's episode 69, but also <laughs> because... <Wow. laughs> I just, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it is a Peter Jackson episode. Yeah. <laughs> he would have laughed. He would have laughed too. He would have laughed. But so our next episode, 69, is going to be all about the Haggerty Museum of Art in Milwaukee. Their exhibit called J.R.R. Tolkien, The Art of the Manuscript. We went and visited Which we that. we went to. We went and visited that exhibit recently. We bought the catalog that went along with it, and we ate that shit up. We were in there for hours, literally hours. And we have a lot of content coming your way uh, from that experience. So tune in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for listening uh, to KOT Podcast. Thanks to our guest, Joe Vasky. Yeah, thanks for long time friend, colla uh, collaborator. Come back. Yeah, thanks for it. This was fun. <laughs> this was really fun. Um, uh, thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. If you want to subscribe to Patreon to help support us, it's www.patreon.com slash KOT Podcast. Yeah, Patreon helps us bring you that uh, great new content with the same level of quality you've come to respect. Subscribing can also unlock some exclusive content. Uh, Patreon, it, it really helps us a lot. In fact, like we mentioned earlier, that Haggerty Museum of Art exhibit, uh, our patrons are the whole reason we were able to make that trip. Yep, exactly. They subsidized a huge chunk of that trip for us. Mm -hmm. So donate to the Patreon and you'll get more of that super fun content. Yeah, and if uh, Patreon's not really your speed and you want to do a one-time donation, that's cool, too. We have PayPal and other services. We can make it happen. Just hit us up on social media or email. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be at that platform.com forward slash keep on Tolkien. And uh, stay up to date with all of our newest videos and uh, give us a nice review if you like us. Yes, yes, yes. Join uh, our Discord. There will be a link to that in the description of this link episode. Link in the description. Or any of our YouTube videos. They should all have links by now. I think we've gone through them all and added the link. Um, follow us on Twitter, at KOT Podcast. 
Yeah, and if you're a Facebook user, follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash official. Keep on Tolkien. And if you're on the Facebook page, go ahead and join the KOT Talk group. That's there as well. Go ahead and uh, join the discussion with fans and share fun memes and uh, just you know discuss with our listeners. It's a great community. Yeah, join us. On, uh, also follow us on Instagram at Keep On Tolkien Podcast. And don't forget to check out our new merch store. That's keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmill.com. Check it out. Yeah. A lot of cool shirts on there, guys. I'm serious. Not fucking with yeah. you. New designs coming all the time. Yeah. Go check it out. Support your favorite podcast. Yeah, yeah, I support. It would help us out a whole bunch. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes. Well, I am and have been Danny J. I'm Joel N. I'm Joe Vasky. And Joe Vasky, the great Joe Vasky. <laughs> And together, the combination of us are... Keep on talking. Keep on talking. Do you want to do the hour in Tuluva? I say this at the end of every episode. It's a sign-off. You want to do it? Just scream it. Hour in Tuluva. Close enough. <laughs>